and welcome to this week's episode of Making It to the Mic. I'm your host, Stephanie Pam Roberts, and today I'll be talking to Andrew Lander. Andrew works in commercials, corporate narration, and e-learning. Ironically, one of the first tools he used to learn about the voiceover business was podcasts, so I'm so excited that he's here today. Andrew is also at the beginning of his voiceover journey and balancing that with his nine to five job, which I think is a really important perspective since so many of us start voiceover part-time. So here's my conversation with Andrew Lander. Hello, Andrew, and welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm doing well, Stephanie. How are you? I am good. Thank you for asking. So I like to start each episode with uh, kind of the same question. How did you make it to the mic? What did you do before voiceover and how did you get into it? Oh, my gosh. Well, what I did before voiceover was um, being in the corporate world. Um, I didn't start out um, in radio. I didn't start start out um, in the theater or um, on stage um, or on camera, which is I found traditionally most people that's where they start. Um, my start was behind the podium. Um, I worked in the corporate world um, before moving to the South. I'm originally from D.C., which is technically the South because it's below the Mason-Dixon. But I mean, the barbecue isn't as baller as it is in the South, so it's it's <laughs> not the South. Um, before moving to the South, I was um, a director of marketing at a real estate organization in Northern Virginia, and. In doing that and then also having a background even before then in going out into the community and speaking to people and doing digital marketing and things like that, being able to to stand up and talk and do public speaking and present to small business owners because all real estate agents are, you know, their own um, entrepreneurship, they're their own small business, it allowed me to kind of get the chops to, you know, to speak clearly and to, um, you know, enunciate and, and things like that. And so when I was, um, when I found another career and actually moved from the DC area to, um, Montgomery, Alabama of all places, um, I was freaking out a little bit because my, my third child, um, was going to be born in, um, in like a month. And I was like, oh man, do I have enough for diapers? And, you know, just doing all the things that you do when you freak out about having a, um, a child, but this was our third and we were already set and, you know, financially, but, you know, as, as you do, you're like, ah, I got to make sure I have everything. So I started looking up, you know, what are some things that I could do to make some extra money? And so I landed on a website, uh, a blog and it was like 70 plus things you can do to make some uh, side money. And number 60 was voice acting. Hmm. And I said to myself, I've never really considered what that even is. Even though I had an idea, I was like, I, let me look into it. And so it was a story about Carrie Olson, who she told her, her, you know, her life story about how she um, uh, was living in Missouri and was working for an e-learning company. And long story short, she's you know a minority who has two kids that wanted more time with her family, who kind of had a knack for, for talking and got into voice acting. And that really inspired me. So I said, you know what? Let me do that too, because I have a knack for this, I think. And she came from more of a corporate um, type background and... I think I really like this. So I started studying hardcore 
everything that was voiceover. And so from the corporate world to finding out what it is and then eventually, you know, consuming tons of podcasts and getting a coach, that led me down the road to where I am now. I love that you found like a parallel story to yours, like a person who was a mom, a person who, you know, came from the corporate world, because I feel like a lot of voice actors maybe are theater people or performers and start on that side of it. And so there's like a plethora of, you know, people you can look towards and be like, oh, like that person. But I love that you found like your your own little kind of mirror image in the corporate world. Yeah, I was very, very lucky in that. And then when I started learning about others who were in the industry, I was like, oh, that's a former radio person. I can understand that. And like when I thought about it, I'm like in in my, you know, growing up, I listened to a lot of talk radio and I really enjoyed the conversations that the DJs had. And um, I didn't get into it in college. Um, I, I left D.C., um, for college and went to the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor and studied communication studies, but it was very broad. It was journalism. It was digital marketing. At that time, Facebook had just taken off. Like that year, in 2004, it had just taken off and everyone was like, what is this thing? You can see who's in other dorms. That's neat. Especially someone who, you know, was coming from out of state and didn't really know anybody, it allowed me an opportunity to be like, oh, this is something that I can use to keep in touch with new friends and find new friends. Hmm. So, you know, I, I was really into studying digital marketing and U of M gave me like this really nice broad, like liberal arts uh, degree for that. And there was radio and there was, um, you know, there were, you know, performance and acting, but I didn't get into that. I didn't, you know, study any of that because I guess I just didn't, you know, really know that uh, something like that existed. But I think had I known, then I would have looked into it. But no, it, it took me an additional, oh gosh, <laughs> what, 15 years before I was like, oh yeah, maybe this is something that exists. So when you kind of realized, okay, this is what I want to pursue, you said you listened to podcasts and, and got a coach. How did you find a coach? So when I was, I listened, I started listening to podcasts, um, like June, early June of 2019. And I had been off of Facebook for about a year prior because I was done with it. I, I took it off my phone. I didn't want to, you know, hear everyone's opinions on everything. And it was stressing me out. I, I had taken it off, but I had heard somewhere on a podcast that like, oh, you know, there are voiceover communities. And it would be a good idea, it would behoove you if you got on there and really talked to people. And I was like, okay, fine, I'll do that maybe. So from, from June until about August, I was soaking everything in. And then in August, I got back onto Facebook. And one of the first things I did was I started going around to the different Facebook groups. And I was like, okay, I'll join this one, I'll join this one, and then... I joined another one and then someone messaged me, hey, you're into voiceover, what kind of, why, why do you want to join the group? And I was like, huh, 
type, 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 type. And I basically just inundated this person with all the things that I had learned. And I'm like, I'm interested in this. And I think I might want to do commercial, but I feel like maybe corporate narration. And then I'm sure he was probably just like, whoa, slow down, buddy. Because he, <laughs> he messaged me back going, I see you know a bit about the industry already. Are you doing any coaching? And I was like, I don't know if I'm ready for that quite yet. But he convinced me because he was like, look, how long have you been you know, looking into this? I was like, since June. And he said, well, you seem to already know the basics. The next step would be coaching. If you're interested, hit me up. And this mm. was the, um, the administrator of the group. And long story short, that's who I ended up coaching with. I love that. When you were coaching, did you make your demos quickly or how did you know you were ready to make your demos? So I was someone who was very much like by the book and still kind of am. It's hard for me to like get out of like the PowerPoint presentation, bullet points. It has to be, you know, beginning, middle and end, like very <laughs> corporate, right? Mm -hmm. um, so in listening to these podcasts, they were like, if you're going to do these demos, you need to make sure you get coaching. You need to make sure you understand the industry. You need to have, you know, all of these things in place. So I was like, I'm not going to create my own demos. I'm going to do everything, you know, super Hermione by the book, right? And so I didn't get my demo done until my coach told me that I was ready. I coached from September until about November. And that's when they said, okay, we think you're ready. And I was like, whoa, hold on. It's, it's only been a few months. Are you sure about this? I, I continued to, to study and to practice every single day because between these classes, like there would be like an uh, hour long sessions um, where we would go over copy. And in between those uh, sessions, it would maybe be like a weekly or biweekly. I would make sure that whatever we studied, I would pull up three scripts from um, uh, Edge Studio or from, from their own uh, library that they gave me, my coach's library. And um, I would just go over that script to be like, okay, we, we went over this. This is the thing that I need to work on, like this type of read, whether it's conversational or like hitting, you know, this billboard in the, um, you know, like the name of the, uh, the company or the product. Mm-hmm. And I would just bug the heck out of them <laughs> and like every day, like, okay, how about this? No, do it like this. Okay, did that. No, what about this? And I would do this daily. Like it wouldn't be like I would get in there, uh, take a class for an hour, then do nothing until the next class. Like I was constantly doing this. And so I think that's what catapulted me a little bit further uh, than what, what normally happens. But I ended up doing my demo in March of 2020. So I took the extra time to do that. And that was a very strange time because as, as you know, March of 2020 was when everybody was like, Hey guys, I think there's something happening. Uh, maybe we should shut everything down. Mm hmm. It was like the very next week after I did my demo, they're like, yeah, no one's coming back into the office or, or, or no one's coming back into the, um, the studio anymore. That was lucky. It was very lucky. I think that's amazing that you took what the coaches were saying and then you didn't just stop. You, you really became a diligent student because I think 
the misconception in voiceover is that it's it's kind of just talking and it is but I also feel like especially if you haven't come from an acting background that even just the skill of cold reading and reading something and digesting it quickly and not making mistakes can be a tricky one to learn so I love that you said you know what this is something I need to practice and you you practiced you put in the time what's the quote it's like how many hours does it take to be an expert at something Right, right. You have to put in the time to be able to become an expert at it. And and I and I like that you, you embrace that and you said, this is what I'm going to do. And I've decided to do this thing. I'm going to dig in and really make the most of my time, not only with the coach, but outside of the coaching. You know, one of the things that, um, that really pushed me, my sister-in-law, she had started um, a podcast right around the time I started thinking, you know what, maybe this is something I really want to do. And when I heard her do her podcast, which uh, short-lived, but still it inspired me, I was like, oh man, she's doing it. And now everyone, it's like when you, when you want to buy a new car and like you want to buy, uh, I don't know, a Jeep or something like that, every car becomes a Jeep. And you're like, oh, I see Jeeps everywhere now. <laughs> that's, that's how it was for me. So being that you started kind of during the, the initial part of COVID, did you build a home studio right away? Oh, absolutely. All of these podcasts that um, I listened to, that's, that was one of the things that they said, like, you need to make sure you have um, a home studio, you know? And there were so many resources out there that I could look at and read and listen to that gave me the blueprint for how to do, for, for how to do it. And um, luckily, I had a space that was quiet um, that I could go into and construct um, a tent out of um, uh, vocal booth to go uh, material. Um, you know, they're, they're soundproof blankets, if you're familiar. And like the, the early stages of it, like I had to duck down in there and like I had a, a chair and I didn't, it was, it was enough for me so that I didn't hit my head, but um, it was, it was okay. I could move my arms around, but yeah, you know, everyone said you should have a, you should have a booth at home to do this. And even if they didn't say that, I didn't have the, the time, and I still don't, to, to go into a studio because while my, my passion for this is full-time and, you know, whenever I have um, a session or, you know, uh, a client that needs a pickup or whatever, that's full-time mentally, my nine-to-five is my nine-to-five. And realistically, you know, as a corporate person, you know, and, and also as a family man, it, it's something that I have to, um, to live by and to take into consideration because I can't just, you know, abscond and, and go to a studio, you know, I don't have it like that. But, you know, if it's at home, then I can easily just, you know, come in here and, and do my thing and then step out and, you know, help with dinner or something. I also have a young daughter. She's three and a half. And while these COVID times have been strange, they've also been kind of wonderful because... I'm here and I can say I don't have to go into the city, which takes, you know, I live right outside New York City. And so for me, sometimes the the session or even the audition that takes like literally two and a half minutes for me is like a four hour affair and a babysitter and all this other stuff. So to kind of be forced to stay in my home studio has been kind of amazing. <laughs> and I kind of hope it sticks. <laughs> I know, right? And three and a half is such a cute age. 
I have a, a four going on five year old and he'll put on my headphones and he'll he'll like talk in like a lower tone and be like, I'm doing voiceover now. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he already thinks that a voiceover voice is a voice. So how do you how have you found the work life balance to be, especially because you're sort of doing two full or a full time and a part time job? How have you found that uh, that balance? It's so I'm I'm very fortunate um, that my my job can be done remotely. Um, it can't all be done remotely because there are times where I will have to to go in um, to the office or to um, the client's office and and do that work. Because the work is remote, it allows me flexibility. And because voiceover is remote, and because I have this home studio, it allows for that flexibility. So the 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 priority is i mean it's it's going to be the 9 to 5 it it has to be um and you know when when duty calls duty calls you know i got to be bruce wayne but you know when when something happens in gotham you know i i got to don the cape and 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 look <laughs> look like a silly crazy man and <laughs> and wave my arms around in this in this studio are you hoping that one day voiceover will become your full-time income so definitely. Um, I When I first started doing this, I had a, a, a business plan and, you know, I, I had to set things out five years in advance to see realistically what things would look like. And I know that you can never really say in voiceover or in anything else, you know, how much money you're going to make, whether you're going to make a profit and, you know, what your success is going to be. Um, especially in entertainment, right? Like it's so subjective. Um, but everyone who is a business owner has a business plan. And so you, you look at the competition, you look at potential clients, you look and see what people are generally making. Like I looked at the GVAA and, you know, had consultations to kind of get a feel of like what people are charging. How often are they getting clients? I looked at everyone from, you know, the, the, the people who are doing it very part-time to the people that are, you know, <laughs> driving around with, in the crazy cars and, you know, out there in LA and, 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 you know, are, are, are living that life. Um, and then I, I, I said, what, what's, you know, somewhere in the middle. And then what are my expectations based on, you know, my, my own, uh, financial needs. And so I mapped that out. And that became my, uh, my, my plan for like, what would happen? What would I need to replace what I currently have, you know, from a, a career perspective, from a financial uh, perspective. So if, if things go very well, then, then absolutely. Like I, I wouldn't have enough time to do both. I'm so interested in everything that you have to say that comes from your corporate brain, like the corporate side of your brain that, you know, you you studied, you went to college for, you still work in. And I think it's so fascinating because many voice actors who come from the, again, like the theatrical or performance side, either they don't have that side of the brain as, you know, as prominently or they just don't, haven't tapped into it. So I love that you mapped out a business plan before you even started to say, 
okay, let me see how this will work and let me gather data and let me look at different sources of examples of people. And I think that's so smart because a lot of people are like, I want to do voiceover. I bought a mic, I made a booth, and here we go. And then they, you know, maybe are disappointed when the jobs aren't rolling in or they're a little bit confused about, you know, the this business side of it because it can be intimidating if you've never had to make a business plan or open a spreadsheet. <laughs> um, it can be really intimidating. So I love listening to you kind of analyze from that side of your brain how to do this business. It really helps to have a um, a good support network. Um, my wife is my biggest support network because, you know, if I'm down here in the booth, I have to explain, you know, how much time I'm going to be down here and, you know, um, what the, the end result is going to be, um, to the best of my ability. Uh, like I said, no one can actually say, you know, how, um, your time is going to translate into, um, into dollars or how performance is going to translate there. But when, I mean, as you know, you know, when, when you have kids um, and your, your time has to be spent wisely, you, you have to equate that time to, you know, what, what is the end result going to be to the best of your ability? Because if, if I cannot convince my, the, the people who I love and care about that this is, um, that it's it's worth it that it has some you know what the value is aside from you know the fun of just being silly or you know throwing my hands in the air and uh and you know saying why some service is really important uh then i i'm not going to be able to have that um that that full on support realistically because otherwise it's just okay i don't know what he's doing down there and i don't know exactly you know how it's translating into um, how we're all moving together, you know, as a family. So in, in, in trying not to be selfish about it, I, I'm very transparent, you know, when it comes to what I'm doing and like how things are going to, like how, how things are investments. Because, you know, if, if um, I, I can't just be like, okay, I'm going to buy a 23-inch monitor and it's going to be X amount of money, and for, you know, everything to be like, okay, that, that's great. Go ahead and do it, honey. It's, it's more like, well, that could be diapers or that could be, you know, a trip to, you know, the, the ice cream place with masks on and stuff like that, you know. So I, I'm very transparent and it, it gives me the confidence to come down here and act like a fool, you know. Because if, if, I'm, if I'm thinking about how... Um, my time is spent down here relative to, you know, my family wondering where the heck I am and why I'm taking so long to do some audition, then it's going to stress me out. But I went into this being like, <laughs> my wife is my boss on this. If I can't convince her, you know, that I'm spending time away from her and the, and the kids, then it's, then it's not going to work, <laughs> you know? So that, that was my, that was my goal. And it also helped, you know, just, uh, to, uh, it also helped to make sure that I knew how my business was going to succeed. That's so smart. I love that you have like a, a plan for how you're going to sort of like justify the cost of your time. 
I call it office hours, like not only just in the booth doing auditions, but the time that it takes you to sit and balance your accounting and to, you know, go through your spreadsheets and go through your emails and all that kind of stuff that takes time. And it and it is something that we have to do. Absolutely. And, and it helps with negotiation, too, because, I mean, everyone has, you know, has been lowballed. When it comes to something, they're like, yeah, let's, can you do, you know, an in perpetuity, you know, worldwide for $250? Thanks. You know, eh, no, I can't, I, I can easily say no for two reasons. Number one, because I do have the nine to five. So thankfully, you know, I do have the, uh, you know, the financial ability to say no. Um, I was just in a, a clubhouse session um, where there were actors who were talking about um, their side hustle and how, you know, having that financial freedom allows them to be better actors. So kind of reversing it, you know, with me having the nine to five as the, you know, the main thing, it, it gives me that freedom to be like, thankfully, I, I, I had the startup capital, you know, to invest into this. I don't want to make it seem like, you know, I'm, I'm doing this and I'm, I'm, you know, it's just coming out of nowhere. Uh, definitely having that financial backing uh, helps. But um, that that gives me the confidence to say no, because um, there there isn't this like desperation. But then the other thing is, I think about my kids, just like you think about your three and a half year old. You know, if <laughs> I, I can't put all of my eggs into the in perpetuity basket for that amount of money after having spent, you know, however much amount of time doing a session, you know, being on the phone with the client for direction. You know, and then to look in my kids' faces being like, where were you, daddy? Oh, I was doing an in perpetuity gig for not that much money. I can't do that. <laughs> you know, I got to make it worth it. Yeah, I think we we as actors too sometimes get caught up in the that scarcity mindset. Like there's never going to be another job, so I better do this one. And, you know, hopefully that's not the case. There will be many, many jobs. And so Getting what you're worth and what the job itself is worth is so, so, so important. Absolutely. And again, all, all of this stuff, you know, yes, I have the confidence because of just, you know, working um, at a nine to five and then, you know, I, with my kids and, and my wife. But it's also just hearing it from from people that have done it in the past. Um, again, you know, reading up on it, listening to podcasts you know, people who consistently say that if you stick to your rates, then people will know you for those rates. So if you stick to the low or if you if you concede and you go for the low rates, then you will always be, you know, low rate Andrew. And I don't want to be low rate Andrew. There was a guy that reached out to me or no, I reached out to him um, like April of last year when I was like, OK, I'm sending out my demo and he reached back out to me in September and was like, hey, we got this thing and it's for X amount of money. And for me, I was like, mm, that's low for what I would charge based on all of these things. And I kind of rattled some things off, you know, had the GVAA um, <laughs> rate guide uh, in another tab. And I was just like referencing that. It's literally always open on my computer. And one time the website was not functioning and I freaked out. And so when it was functioning again, I printed it out. So now I have a hard copy in case I need to reference it. That is smart. 
But um, the the guy, he was like, ah, um, oh, you know what? I understand. I, I understand that that's not the rate that you go for. And he literally said, he was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to put you in a category where if I get a rate that's higher than this, I will reach out to you. And so I was like, ding, ding, ding. That's it. I'm in, I'm in this rate category. Don't put me in, you know, what, you know, some other rate category that, you know, I know that I'm not worth. So I got a call a month later and it was like, I got something for you. And I was like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. That's the type of rate that I'm talking about. So I, I have, I have no reason to, to accept any, any low ball rate because of, of what I've, you know, what I know from colleagues in, in the industry. And it just, it just makes me feel all giddy inside. Yeah. A uh, previous guest on Mutual Friend Maria Pendolino always says that you, you don't know till you ask. So if you had not, if you had just said like, oh, sorry, mm-hmm. you know, then that guy would have said, oh, sorry, you know, I guess we don't align. But because you said, well, actually, I typically charge this and, you know, keep me in mind for something that's along you know, more along these lines, then he said, okay, because you were able to ask and articulate that those rates, you were able to book a job. Exactly. And I've had, you know, plenty of interactions where they're just like, ah, that's not our budget. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. You know, and that's it. Thankfully, you know, because of, you know, constant emailing and reaching out and following up, there's, there's always something waiting may not be this, you know, today or the next day, maybe it's next week. You know, I've had situations where, you know, someone has said no to me. And then like in that same hour, I got something else that I was like, hey, do you want to do this thing? And I was like, hey, there you go. One door opening, another one closing and so forth. You know, that thing. So from your marketing background, I imagine that you have a totally different perspective on marketing yourself as a voice actor. Can you talk a little bit about that? You know, um, I was thinking about it and so much of the marketing tactics that I've learned in VO, it's, it's come from the voiceover community, from coaches, from podcasts to books. And then like, I'm, I was trying to boil down like what makes my experience different. And I take it back to when I was working in real estate and there were so many similarities between what real estate agents do uh, to market and what voice actors do. Staying top of mind, continuing to reach out to lists, whether it's through a newsletter, like a quarterly thing or, you know, or something like that. Because when you ask someone if they want to buy a house, they go, no, are you nuts? I don't have that kind of money now. Now. But in three years, maybe they will. Or maybe they know someone that's selling a house, not necessarily buying. They know somebody that knows somebody. You got to multiply that by however many people you can get in touch with. If it's a production house, if it's, you know, a real estate agent who wants to put a, a house on the market and wants to do a tour or, you know, someone who needs like an on hold messaging, you know, type deal. Um, and even if you're not reaching out to people you know, cold calling individually, you know, I, I look for, for avenues like rosters that I can, you know, put myself on so that I can be made available to other people's to make my um, chances of getting work greater. It just multiplies. My, my experience is that 
you know, he or she who talks to the most people wins. He or she who, you know, follows up with those people wins. And what, what I got from working in real estate was that, and it was also knowing that it's not going to happen right after you email somebody like, hey, are you looking for a voice actor? Yes, I'm glad you emailed me. Can you do this thing? Great. You know, that <laughs> wouldn't that if be only nice? If it were that easy. <laughs> right. If it were that easy, then, you know, I'd, I'd be just sitting next to the computer emailing people all day. But no, you know, they're like, oh, that's, that's very nice. I will let you know once something happens, you know, three months passes by, six months passes by, you know, and maybe they don't reach out to you for like, you know, nine months to a year. But if you stay top of mind, either through, you know, social media or whatever, then they'll be like, oh, yeah, that's right. Stephanie does voice acting and we got this explainer that we really want to do. Oh, yeah, let's let's reach out. to Let's read out, reach out to her. So I think that's what I got from it. It's like a the the relentlessness of reaching out and following up, which sounds simple, easier said than done. Uh, I I basically just have uh, crazy tabs in in Gmail, like it's just like a kaleidoscope of colors of different tabs of people who you know I want to follow up with or or whatever, and that's that that's how I do it. What is your follow-up procedure? Because I know it takes a certain amount of follow-ups, you know, for somebody to respond sometimes. So are you like, a, I'm going to follow up seven times or what's your, what's your strategy? So when it comes to um, people that I've never reached out to before, whether it's production houses or, or otherwise, I'll send them an email, um, let them know who I am and, you know, look at their website and, you know, see what kind of stuff they've produced and, you know, say, hey, I really like your stuff, like this thing that you have going on here. Um, I don't know if you have a roster. If you do, I'd like to be a part of it to make it easier for you to be able to source artists. You know, you can have me in your back pocket pretty much. And I'll send it out and then I'll wait either if I, if I send it out on a Monday then I'll either follow up like on a that Friday or the following week. And if I don't hear from them again after that, then I'll just put them on like a follow-up later list and maybe reach out to them three or four months after that. That feels good to me too. I know some people do like a seven-day reach out, a 14-day reach out, but I know that the gold can be in the follow-up, so it is tricky. It is. It is, and sometimes I forget. But then sometimes I feel like that's a good thing because you're not bugging people as much. Like, I, I don't have a problem with bugging people. I think if you do forget about it and then you mark it and then you go back to your, your label, right, in Gmail that says, oh, this is my follow-up label, and you go, oh, I haven't, I haven't reached out to this person in months, then it becomes more organic, right? Because you, you just organically thought about reaching out to this person and it doesn't seem like... Uh, you know, it's forced. Then again, maybe, you know, in a couple of years, you'll, you'll reach back out to me, uh, Stephanie, and be like, how do you do it? And I'll be like, well, I have this drip campaign through this, that, and the other thing. I, I don't have any of that right now. I'm just doing it like freehand with, <laughs> with Gmail. But um, yeah, that's, that's what I do now. The biggest job I've ever booked to date was from a cold email that I sent year, literally years before the actual job. Um, it was to a recording studio here in New York City, and I just said the same thing, like, hi, I'm a voice actor. Um, you know, if you keep a roster or a database, I'd love to be added. 
And I don't even think I heard from them or I think it was like a, yep, got it. It was literally years later. They were like, we've got this audition for this project. I'm not sure if you're interested, but here it is. And I was kind of like, oh, wait, who are you? And I had to go back through my email and see like, oh my gosh, I reached out <laughs> to them three years ago. This is crazy. Okay, I'll do the audition. And and I booked it. I mean, it was a very long process between that with many um, auditions and callbacks, but it was from that cold email. And on the days where I just sort of look at my computer screen blankly thinking, oh, I just don't want to do the direct marketing today. I always have a little voice in my head like, but the big job. And then I say, okay. Oh, that that is awesome. You really never know where they're going to lead. Absolutely. You know, it's kind of cool to think maybe even if you don't hear back or maybe maybe that person says, you know what, I actually don't have a roster, but I have a friend who runs this other studio or this recording studio and, you know, I'm going to pass your info to them or here's their email to reach out to them. So I don't know. It is it is a great way to, to meet new people and to just kind of get yourself out there to more folks. Um, so before we wrap up, I would love to know kind of what is one positive thing that you if you could go back and tell yourself, like right at the very beginning of your journey, what's one positive thing you would tell yourself? A positive thing I would tell myself at the beginning of my journey, I would say, mm, we're messing with time travel now. This, is, this could be dangerous, Stephanie. Oh my gosh, if I tell myself, hey, don't worry, everything is going to be okay, then maybe past me will be like, oh, well, I don't have to do as much work. And then I would fail. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> oh my goodness. Interesting perspective. Oh boy. Let's see. What what could I tell myself? Or one little like bit of encouragement that you could tell yourself at the beginning of your voiceover journey. I think I would tell myself that sleep is necessary. Please sleep a little bit more. Um because as I said, in between sessions, like um uh, those coaching sessions, I would be studying every day. And the time that I would spend studying would be in the evenings because that's the only time I had. And I would be up really late, like sometimes three in the morning. And I would have to get up, you know, <laughs> like before six to make sure that the kids were, you know, getting their uh, their stuff done for, for school. And yeah, that, that math is not good, you know, when it comes to, <laughs> to sleeping, especially with a newborn who's, you know, I go to sleep and then they wake up two minutes later and I'm like... I just went to sleep, baby. Come on. <laughs> so I think I would just say um, take it easy in other ways. Get more sleep. Still be hardcore about your, your craft and studying. Um, but don't worry. You can get that extra sleep. The script will still be there. You will find time because you are very passionate about this. And things will work out the way that you expect them to. And even in some ways that you don't. So see, Stephanie, you got me messing with time travel. Now I'm, uh, now <laughs> this never ends well in the movies. But I like that. I like that advice that, it, you know, take some time for you, take some rest, make sure that you're taking care of yourself, because if you don't take care of yourself, then you have nothing left to not only give to your voiceover business, but your full-time job and your family. So I think even though we space travel, time traveled, it was okay. <laughs> it worked. It worked. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. I think everybody got a lot out of hearing from someone who's kind of still at the beginning of their journey and someone who came from a completely different background than an actor. So thank you for, for shedding light and, and giving us your perspective. 
Stephanie, thank you so much for having me. There are so many great takeaways from this episode. I think the thing that struck me the most is Andrew's incredible dedication, hard work, and commitment, which are so important in this business. I love that even outside of his voiceover classes and coachings, he was still working on his craft. Plus, it was interesting to hear where his experience in the corporate world kind of overlaps and helps him in voiceover and marketing, too. If you'd like to learn more about Andrew, I'm linking his website and socials in the show notes, which you can find at my website, www.stephaniepamroberts.com podcast. And to stay updated about future episodes, please follow me on Instagram at stephaniepamrobertsvo. Also, I'd love to hear from you. If you have feedback or aha moments to share, or if you have any questions about voiceover or guests that you'd like to hear from, please send an email to stephanie at stephaniepamroberts.com. Thanks so much for listening, and here's a little preview of next week's episode. You have to find that balance between it being real and authentic, but also really popping and selling something. That's next week on Making It to the Mic.